Hello, good human, and welcome or welcome back to the Sunshine Project podcast. My name is Chloe. I am your host, and I asked you a few days ago to send through as many questions about farm life, about owning animals, about our cottage, about our land, about all of it as you could, and holy guacamole, did you deliver? as you always do. So you've learned a little bit about what farm life looks like for us and how you can have a taste of farm life if that's something that you would like but you don't have at the moment. And today I am running through a whole stack of your delightfully nosy questions. I can't bloom and wait. On that note, let's get into it. The first question that came through was what is my favourite and least favourite part of farm life and there was another question that was asked by Tanishka who said do you ever get anxious about your pets in bad weather conditions especially the little goats? I'm going to answer those two together because my least favourite part about farm life is the anxiety. I have a lot of anxiety around our pets and it's something that I'm actively working on because a lot of it isn't based in reality. But I think after we lost our chickens and our ducks, you can go back and listen to Grief Part 1 if you would like to soak up that very sad story or soak it up again. Um, But after we lost them, I perhaps have become hyper-aware of all of the dangers that are out there. So our goats are kept in an enclosure overnight and a lot of the time during the day as well. But I worry about foxes and dogs and bad weather conditions. As was mentioned, I have rescued the goats at 3am from a very rainy night. They probably would have been okay, honestly, but goats hate the cold and they hate getting wet. So I don't mind that we did that, even if it meant that I got soaked. Again, their shelter probably would have kept them nice and warm and dry. But yes, I worry. So the worry is my least favorite part. It's something that I do think that... I kind of grow out of with each animal as they get larger and more independent. Um, I used to worry about the cows a lot. I remember calling the vet in close to hysterics for like the fifth time that week in the first week that we had the cows. And I said, it's raining and I'm worried because they won't go under their shelter. And the vet was like, Chloe, they're cows. They're going to be okay. If they'd like to go under their shelter, they can walk under their shelter, but they are cows. So yeah, it is something that I grow out of with each animal, but it's also something I find very difficult to wrangle with as well. My favorite part of farm life is probably probably the way that it just lets me slow down and connect with nature and be very present. I feel like living on the farm, I really am living rather than existing. I feel like I, yeah, kind of like I'm at one with cyclical weather and with all of our animals and with the flowers that bloom and it is really a beautiful lifestyle in that sense. The second question came through from Lauren, who said, have you ever considered farming something as a side hustle? We're on five acres and I keep tossing up growing garlic or flowers. Would love to hear if you guys are considering similar. Lauren, yes, I consider it all the time. Probably the most serious thing I consider farming is flowers. It's not something that I've done yet. And one of the reasons for that is because 
I do feel a little bit protective of our space as one that is not linked to making money or to working hard for anyone else or for anything else. But definitely, like there are so many options if you have the land to grow flowers, something that's really productive and easy like cosmos or to grow vegetables or to hold other people's animals if you'd like to. My grandparents used to rent out their paddocks to a man for like 20 years who kept his sheep there. So and there are so many options. None feel quite right to us at the moment, but Lauren, I think that you should go for it if you're considering it. Maddie asked, how much of your day does animal care take up? I would love a small hobby farm one day and I'm curious about the time commitment. Again, this one kind of varies on the age of the animals and on you as well. At the moment, I would say I probably spend about an hour on animal care each day. That includes brushing our cows, feeding them, feeding the goats a few times a day, letting the goats and the dogs run around for enrichment, you know, any admin or vet stuff that it requires. It is a time commitment. You could care for the amount of animals we have in 15 minutes a day if that's all you had, which is all we have sometimes. Or you could spend half your day out with them and that's when you're going to get a really beautiful, strong bond with your animals. So it's not so much a time commitment as I would say a commitment to consistency and responsibility because you do need to look after them. There's no wiggle room on that really, especially when they're young. Uh, The cows, we can now... Really, realistically, we could just give them their hay and that would be almost enough, but we supplement their feed with grain as well and we give them grain once a day too, which is like maybe another five minutes. Yeah, it depends on you, depends on your animals, depends on the lot of it. Common Minimalist asked, how do you find your farmhouse? This would be my dream. Well... I really recommend going back and listening to Home Part 1, Finding Your Dream Home. I speak about this in detail there, but essentially the best thing that I can recommend is contacting all of the real estate agents in the area that you're looking and telling them exactly what you're looking for because then if something comes up, they will come to you first. They will come to you and offer to show you around if it means that they don't need to take photos and do a website listing and like all of these additional things. Um, And that is how a lot of farmhouses are sold these days because they're in quite high demand, which is kind of tricky for people who don't know that little trick. But now you know it and you can use it and you can throw your hat in the ring. So Han asked, do you ever or have you ever considered milking your goats? No. And that's for a couple of reasons. Firstly, for goats to produce milk, like all mammals, they need to have babies. And while we have considered, and I do consider breeding our goats quite often, not for anyone else, not to sell them, just for us, just to have more little teeny tiny goat babies around. It's something that I'm definitely not decided on. And if they did have babies, I probably wouldn't be keen on on milking them. I would want that milk to go to the babies. If I was to milk them, then, I mean, I guess it's kind of cool to know a new skill. And I think that they would let me because we're very close. But 
if I was to milk them, that would need to be quite a consistent thing for them to keep up their milk supply, have enough for baby and have enough for me. And to be honest, I just don't really know what I would do with it. I've heard that you can make beautiful soap with it, but I kind of feel like I can buy beautiful goat's milk soap if I want to. Yeah, I know lots of people are at that level of homesteading where they create everything for themselves from scratch. They're in that really self-sustainable, self-sufficient headspace and mind space. It's not me. Not just yet. Dana asked, any more additions to the farm or are the goats and the cows and the dogs enough for now? Yeah, I'm done for now. I think next we'll probably add some chooks again or some Indian runner ducks. I imagine that'll be in the next year or so. What I'd really like to do is add some eggs. So I'd really like to incubate eggs and raise some chooks and some ducks together from when they're teeny tiny babies but that's not yet because I'm overwhelmed. The goats, the goats overwhelm me so much. Uh, It's not in this batch of Q&A, but someone asked me on my Instagram story the other day, you might have already seen it, whether there's any part of me that regrets getting the goats, bringing them into our lives. And that's kind of like asking someone if they regret having kids because I love Aoife and Ola so much. They're so sweet. They're so funny. They add so much sunshine to my life and to our lives. They are also nonstop. They are very vocal. Like the minute that they see you or they don't see you or they want to see you, they scream basically. They blare, which is very cute in a 10 second Instagram video, but a little bit overstimulating in real life. I've taken to listening to music quite a bit more around the farm because, you know, often often they're calling you not because they need anything, but because they just want to chat. And I get worried, as I mentioned, and so that is a lot. Yeah, and I, I already worry a little bit about everyone's safety and happiness and if they're bored and all these silly things. So at the moment, no more additions, but in the long run, yes, ducks, yes, chooks, and maybe baby goats. I'm still thinking on it. Next up, we've got a question from Polly who asks, is it pricey? I know, a bit nosy, but I've always wondered. Yes, it is. It is because when I say hobby farm, I guess it's the same as having any hobby. It does cost money. It has got significantly more pricey in the last six months I would say and that's so not and that's not so much because of the goats it's not because we've got new pets it's because the price of the food for the cows has increased so much so the cows when we first got them a big round bale of hay which used to last them you know uh, three weeks to a month cost seventy dollars now for that same round bale of hay and actually a lesser quality bale because there's been floods interstate and so people are growing what they can and a lot of it's being sent interstate and it's harder to get and it's harder to grow and they want high yield, high production stuff. The quality's not great. Those same bales that used to be $70 are now $130. The cows go through roughly one every two weeks and we do have to supplement that with grain, as I mentioned before. So the grain costs... Not so much. I think it's about $20 a bag, which will last them about a week because we are just supplementing with it. But yeah, certainly 
their hay intake has got very expensive, especially around summertime when the grass isn't lush and green and they're not getting that. I think that probably in the next year or two, we're really seriously going to look at growing more for them, you know, like actively growing feed for them on our property. Those guys eat a lot and yeah, it's got quite pricey in the last little while. wrote in, are farm pets much different than domestic pets? No, I don't think so. Like, honestly, the cows are just like big dogs or big cats. The goats are like little tiny dogs. It's any time you spend a lot of time with an animal, and I mentioned, I think in Monday's episode, that the way to bond with an animal is just time and food and time and food and time and food. The more that you notice that farm animals, domestic animals, any animal that you have a connection with is, yeah, kind of similar. So much character, so much love to give. I mean, the cows do zoomies, the goats wag their tails when they see us. Sometimes I feel like we just have six very unusual dogs. Emily asked, do professionals, vets, stock feed, treat you differently because you have animals for love, not income? I'm not really sure. I can tell you about our vet and there are a couple of interesting things here. Firstly, we have a really good vet team. It's a team that specialise in large animals. They send out an email every month called the Moose Letter and it's like, a newsletter, but all about keeping livestock. From what I've heard, they do treat all of their clients, animals, humans, everyone, with a lot of love and care and respect. And they don't really seem interested in why anyone's keeping pets or livestock or cows or sheep or whatever. Um, I would say probably we were treated differently initially because I think that they worried that this was just something that we were doing for a bit of a kick. The owner of the vet's practice is someone that we see quite often. And he said to me about six months ago, we just got the goats and he came and did a checkup on them. And he said, oh, I've got to say, Chloe, he said, when you got the cows, I was a bit worried. You know, we'd seen them for our dogs for a few years. But he said, when you got the cows, I was a bit worried because you had no experience. You didn't know what you were doing. As I mentioned, I was quite concerned. I was calling them quite often. And he said, but these two, pointing at the cows, are the happiest, healthiest cows that we treat. And he said, you have just done an exceptional job. And so I think we probably did get treated differently because we treat them like domestic pets. But yeah, once we proved that we were willing to learn and understand how they were different and understand what they needed, we get a lot of love from our vets and we give a lot of love back to them, especially because they quite often get to take photos of the cows, especially, and put them on their Facebook page when they come and visit and they get a real kick out of that. The other really interesting thing is that our vet bills for our livestock, especially the cows, are significantly lower than our vet bills for our dogs. They come out and treat our animals here. 
It is always cheaper. It is always easier. They are always happy to give information over the phone as well. We've had so many dollars worth of free information doled out by the vets because it saves them time, it saves us time, and it's really good for us to be informed. So, yeah. I've got two more questions. One is from Maddie who said, do you get a lot of huntsman spiders just moved to the country and very shaken by them? Yes, we do get a lot of huntsmans. I don't think you can avoid things like spiders and bugs and mice and sometimes snakes. And when you live in the country, you will go mad trying to keep them all out. Something that I found really helpful, and because I used to have a lot of anxiety about these same things, is A, really educating ourselves on what these animals do. A huntsman spider, it might give you the creepy crawlies, it's not going to hurt you. It's not interested in you. What it's interested in, honestly, is keeping your house free from flies and from bugs and from maybe mosquitoes. It is interested in living quietly on your wall and being a friend. And I know that might sound mad, but it's true. We got around this. We had a little baby huntsman in our kitchen and we called him Ernie and we checked on Ernie every day. It was like, oh, Ernie's on the ceiling. Ernie's on the window. Ernie's on the wall. He only had five legs, which made him not very threatening. And eventually Ernie did disappear. I think probably it's quite hard to be a spider with five legs. But because we gave him a personality and a bit of character, it really helped me overcome any lingering fears I had around spiders. Because it was like, oh, that's that's just Ernie. He's our mate. The other thing that I recommend if you're creeped out by anything that you might find on a farm is to take note of the distance between you seeing something. I'm going to use snakes as an example because this is something I did just this summer. I saw a few snakes at the start of the season. It gave me the willies. I'm scared. What I did was sit down with myself and point out the distance between seeing a snake on the ground, even around the house, and then me dying of a snake bite. Or, you know, someone, an animal, a pet, a person dying of a snake bite. All of the things that have to happen between seeing that snake and feeling danger, as we should, human instinct, and then something bad actually happening, you would have to see the snake, approach, step on the snake, be loud around the snake, get bitten by the snake, not receive treatment for that bite. Of course, having a snake bite, oh, terrifying. But all of the things that need to fall into place between you seeing a snake, a spider, a bug, a mouse, whatever, and the worst case scenario, goodness me, that's a lot of things to fall into place. And the last question comes from Joanna, who asked, how many people are taking care of the pets? How do you manage holidays? This one came through a number of ways from a number of people. It's just Pat and I, for the most part, that take care of the pets. As I said, you can do it quite quickly if you need to, or you can spend a lot of time with them if you want to, but usually just one of us will feed them for the day. One of us will get up early-ish, you know, before eight o'clock, and we'll feed the cows, and we'll feed the goats, and we'll feed the dogs, and then really, they don't need anything until they're fed again that night. But 
if we want to, then we will. And how do we manage on holidays? We're very lucky because, as I've mentioned before, we have our dear friends, Lucas and Rachel, who live with us in the bungalow at the back. So far, they have taken care of the pets every time we've been on holidays. The cows don't need much at all. We give them a big bale of hay before we go, and that will tend to last them the whole time that we're gone. The dogs need feeding morning and night, need to be let out to go to the toilet, need to go for a run and a play every day, but they're getting older, so they're quite happy with that. And then the goats are going to be a little bit needier, and it's the first time that we've had the goats and we'll be going away on our upcoming trip to Japan. That will be a little bit more challenging, but at the moment we are working on a new area for the goats with really high fences that we're going to move them into and adjust them to before we leave so that Lucas and Rach have as easy a job as possible. They will need to lock them up each night and let them out each morning like you might with chickens just to keep them safe from the foxes and the dogs and the falling tree branches I mentioned earlier. But if they ever couldn't look after our animals or they didn't want to, We would either get a friend to come in. Patrick's younger brother has housed that for us a few times just for a night or two when Lucas and Rach can't. Or, truth be told, I would strongly consider having someone from a house-sitting website come and look after everyone in the future. You know, because there will probably be times we want to go away and do things with Lucas and Rach. And I would love to have someone come in who has experience looking after farm animals. There are lots of retirees on that site. Maybe you're on those house-sitting sites now because I mentioned them in the last episode. That's what I would do in the future is get someone to come out here, happy to pay them, take care of the animals, take care of the house, live their best farm life while we are doing other things okay wow that was a whole lot of questions answered in quite short succession I hope that the answers were interesting or entertaining or surprising I hope that you're having a lovely day that's really all from me today if you have not subscribed to this podcast on the app in which you are currently listening please 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 do If you have a friend that might have questions about farm life or dreams of this life, please send this to them. I'd love to be in their ears as well, although, of course, yours are my favourite. I'll see you next Monday for something else. I can't wait. I love you. Good human. Goodbye. This podcast was recorded and edited on Ghana land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.